Hello there. So let's continue with chapter 12. Who can kill the eternal? Once in the mountains a landslide started rumbling towards us. I cried, we are going to die. My master said, who can kill the eternal? I said, the mountain is coming down and you say, who can kill the eternal? Look at the mountain. He shouted, stop, let us cross. And the landslide stopped. Then we passed that place and he said, now you can fall down. And the landslide continued. On another occasion, some people were following him when he was going towards a mountain. It started snowing and it snowed constantly for three hours. The people did not have enough clothing. So they said, Sir, you are considered to be eternal. It is said that you have miraculous power. Why do you not stop the snow? He said, It's easy. Then he said in a loud voice, Stop and let the sun shine. And it happened. The power of will force is very little known among modern men. There are three channels of power. One is called Kriya Shakti, another is called Icha Shakti and third is called the Jnana Shakti. Shakti is that force which manifests itself through these three channels. This power may be either latent or active. With the help of Kriya Shakti, we do our actions. With Icha Shakti, we will, we will to act. And with Jnana Shakti, we decide to act. One can cultivate one or another aspect of this force. Some yogis learn to perform their actions skillfully and become successful in the world. Others develop their willpower and then direct their speech and actions in accord with their will. Some sharpen buddhi, the faculty of discrimination, and attain a state of prajna, a unified state of tranquility. The discipline undertaken differs according to the aspect of shakti which is being developed, though discipline is necessary in each case. Developing icha shakti strengthens willpower. And with the help of willpower, one have command over phenomenal world exactly as one has command over his limbs. It was through this power that my master was able to control the forces of nature. Half here, half there. Once I was staying with my master in a shrine on a bank of the Ganges river. We were at Karnaprayag. My master wears almost no clothing because, <coughs> sorry, because he, <coughs> sorry, because he is hardly aware of his physical self. He is always in inner joy. Suddenly at night he said, "Let's go now." It was dark. It had been raining outside for some time. I thought if I say no, he will start walking anyway. He will just go like a lord with nothing on. So I put a blanket over him, hooked it with a thorn and started to walk with him. It was bitterly cold. After going barefoot for half a mile, my whole body was freezing. I was wearing very little, only one woolen blanket 
I wondered, what shall I do? After we had walked for two miles, we came to crossroads and I asked, Do you know which way to go here? He said, This way. But I turned him around and said, No, no, this is the way. So we reversed directions and returned to the very place from where we had set out. It was dark and he did not know where he was. I said, Now we have to stay here. He said, Okay. I took off my blanket, laid it out, and he sat down near the fire. In the morning, he opened his eyes and started giggling. He said, We walked all night and are still in the same place. How is it possible? I said, I tricked you. Why? I said, It was freezing and you were not aware of it. He used to enjoy such experiences. In that high state of ecstasy, he was often oblivious to the mundane things of the world. But when he became aware of them, he would enjoy them like a joyous child. At another time, I had a very strange experience with my master. It was a sunny June day in the forest near Varanasi, where the temperature goes up to 114 degrees. Since the day was very warm, I asked my master, Will you take a bath? He said, Okay. Often, you will come across wells in India when you travel from one city to another. If you want to take a bath, you find someone nearby who has a bucket and a rope. Then, you draw water from the well, take a bath and go out. We came upon such a well, so I said, Please sit down and wait. I will go and get a bucket and a rope. When I returned, he was not there. I shouted for him and heard someone answering from the bottom of the well, which was 60 feet deep. He had jumped in and was playing in the water. Normally, if someone jumped from 60 feet, he would be injured. But in a high state of ecstasy, one is a child of nature and is protected. It became a problem for me because he wouldn't come out. I could not coax him out. So I asked some people from the village to help. Three people came and we threw down a basket with a rope tied to it. I shouted, sit in the basket and we will pull you up. He answered, leave me alone, let me take my bath. He was enjoying himself. Then they tied me with the rope and lowered me down into the well. I said, come on. But he said, let me take my bath. He was still playing there. I told him, it's been almost one hour now. You have had enough bath. Have I? Yes. Finally, after a long time, I convinced him to come out. Every day he would take a bath but his mind would be somewhere else. I would say, now you have taken your bath, come out. He lived most of the time there, in a constant state of bliss, and very little of the time here, conscious of the mundane world. How a young widow was rescued Once in a desert village of Rajasthan, 50 miles west of Pilani, there lived a landlord who had only one son. 
just after his wedding ceremony, this boy died of a high fever. His poor young widow, who was very beautiful and hardly 17 years of age, was not able to enjoy her honeymoon. In certain communities, the law is once married, married forever. And widows cannot remarry. This system was changed by a movement called Arya Samaj. The founder of this movement was Swami Dayananda, who was a great leader of socio-religious reform. This young girl preferred to lead a holy life and lived in a room which was on the second story of her father-in-law's brick building. In her room were two pictures. Besides these, the girl had only one blanket which she used as a mattress and another to protect herself from the cold. There was a window in the back of that room and a door made of strong thick wood in the front. One night, three fully armed men came to rob that house. Their intention was to rape and kidnap this young widow. They locked all the members of her family in one room and wanted to break into her room. When she discovered this, she started praying. Gurudeva, I am pure. Save me. Protect me. Where are your protective arms? What has happened to you? Suddenly, an old white-haired man with a beard appeared on camel's back at her rear window. He said, Come with me, my child, otherwise you are in danger. You will be raped by them and you will be disgraced and finally commit suicide. The robbers were very disappointed when they found after breaking down the door that there was no one inside. The girl and her rescuer travelled all night on the camel and before sunrise arrived safely at her father's house, which was 65 miles away. I visited this village in 1951 and heard the story from that very woman who was known for her purity and spirituality. After narrating her story, she asked me many questions about my master. Her father was known to us. He had a divine link with our tradition. Through our conversation, I discovered that two pictures the girl had in her room were of Mirabai and of my master. Her whole family worshipped his picture, which my brother disciple had given to her father after he had completed a journey from the Himalayas. The face of her rescuer came, was the same as the one in her photograph. It was my master. I wanted to see my master's picture. And I liked it so much that I took it from her with the promise that I would send her a copy of it. But for many reasons, I could not do so. This is the only picture of my master in existence. There is no doubt in my mind and heart as to the truth of this experience. How it happened? However, I have no way to explain. By telling this story, I do not want to build a guru cult, but want to make you aware that the ways of the masters are very mysterious and that they help their students from any corner of the world, even from the other side of the world. Physical presence is not always necessary for the teacher to help guide 
and protect her student. My master saves a drowning man. A learned man from Rajasthan once came to my ashram at Uttarakashi. He was a well-known pundit. He was on a pilgrimage to Gangotri in the Himalayas. He was then about 70 years of age. One day, he wanted to take a dip in the holy Ganges river, but did not know how to swim. The river was just a short distance from my ashram. He saw that the monkeys on the other bank of the river were jumping into the water, diving and coming up. So he thought, if monkeys can dive in and swim, why can't I, an educated man, do it? Thereupon, he jumped into the water and started drowning. One of my companions saw him drowning and began shouting. I rushed out and asked, what happened? He replied, that man is drowning. I rushed to the river. I was worried. I thought, is someone going to be killed in front of my ashram? When I got there, the old man was sitting on the bank, gasping for air. After he caught his breath, I asked him what had happened. He said, I was taken by the currents. Then, how did you get out? I asked. He said, a swami pulled me out. I asked him who it was and he gave an exact description of my master. I had only one picture of my master and never showed it to anyone. But in this case, I wanted to verify whether it was indeed my master who had pulled him out. So I showed that picture to him. He said, yes, that's the man. After I had gone under three times, I went down to the bottom and started inhaling water. I thought, if this is a holy place, somebody will help me. And then suddenly someone pulled me out of the water. And he is the very one. I told him, you were hallucinating. He said, no, I have so much faith now that I must find this man and stay with him. I shall never go back home. I asked, what will your family say? He said, my children are grown up. I am going to the Himalayas. And he left. My Gurudeva sent word to him on the way not to come until he was better prepared. Now he lives some 12 miles away from our monastery where he spends his time in meditation. When I left for the west, he was still waiting to see my master. He says, the day I'm prepared, I'll go and see him. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening.